I'm not going to need to explain the context of this case, which, uh, which I think everybody was familiar with last year. These types of cases uh, um, kind of raise the, 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 these, these questions about where the limits are for treatment in intensive care. And there are two broad types of reasons that we might have for not wanting to provide treatment. One is because of benefit for the patient, uh, and the other is because the treatment is not affordable. Uh, the treatment or is, is scarce. Uh, and those reasons might come together or they might come apart. So we might have uh, situations that are in a sense are easy, where treatment's not in the patient's interest and it's not affordable, or it would be affordable and in the patient's interest. Uh, but the more tricky ones are the ones uh, like child guards, where uh, it, the question of affordability wasn't the main issue. It was there to some degree, uh, as we talk about in, in our book forthcoming later in the year. Um, but it was alleged that it wasn't in his interests. Um, so even if it, uh, he paid for it himself, uh, it shouldn't be provided, though there, were, there was significant question about that question about best interest. But I'm going to focus in this talk on a different group of cases, cases where treatment is potentially in the patient's interest, but it's not being able to be provided, or potentially not able to be provided, because of scarcity, because of issues of affordability. So here's the type of case that I'm going to talk about. Um, so have a, a critically ill infant failing despite maximum conventional therapies. Uh, the, the will die if we don't escalate. The option for escalation is ECMO, for those who aren't familiar with it. Uh, this is uh, what it looks like. It's fairly gruesome. Extracorporeal membrane oxygenation involves being attached to a cardiopulmonary uh, bypass machine. Um, high cost, high risk. Um, we ring the referral team, but as we're going to ring the referral team, or as the referral team are, are taking the call, uh, we get further information about the case, which is that this particular infant has a genetic disability. Uh, uh, and the question is, what is the relevance of that disability to a decision about whether this infant uh, will receive the treatment? Now, this type of question, although I'm going to focus on this particular fancy uh, form of life-saving treatment is also relevant to questions of allocation of organs or who gets admitted to the intensive care unit. So although I'm talking about ECMO, these, these are kind of generic issues about the, the relationship between disability and prioritization for treatment. Now it's worthwhile making some distinctions to start off with. So there are two broad types of prioritization. There's prioritization at the level of treatment. Which treatments are we going to provide? Are we going to fund this new breast cancer drug? Are we going to fund uh, more uh, community nurses? Are we going to fund uh, this type of uh, kind of uh, um, artificial heart? Or are we going to fund something else? So those types of questions about which treatments, where, where we set the bar. Uh, but there's another type of question which gets less attention, but which is unavoidable for those of us uh, who work at the coal-fired space, for many of you, which is which patients get the treatment, patient level prioritization. So I'm going to focus mostly on this second question because that's the one that's relevant. ECMO is funded, but the question is who gets ECMO? Now when we're thinking about these types of questions, there are two <coughs> different types of values that, that are at stake. Uh, one of them is benefit, benefiting patients and the concern to get the most benefit uh, from the, the healthcare resources that we have available. The other value, which is a competing value, is fairness. The idea of uh, 
and I'll unpack just what we might mean by fairness in a second, but the idea, broadly speaking, of treating people equally or in some significant way. Now we can, now there, these are not the only values that we might be thinking about or be concerned about in allocation, but I'm just going to focus on these two for, for the talk this afternoon. Now if we think about benefit and this decision about should we provide ECMO or not, we, although it's not normally uh, unpacked in this way, there is a, a way that's relatively obvious that we could do it. We could use the same principles that we use, at least as a starting point, for allocating our treatments. So when we, when we talk about treatments uh, in healthcare systems like the UK, and I believe also in Sweden, um, we assess the cost of the treatment, the effectiveness of the treatment, uh, weigh it up against a bar, the ISA, the incremental cost effectiveness ratio, and work out whether it falls within a range of treatments that are usually affordable or outside. Now sometimes, even if it's outside, there may be other considerations that mean it should still be funded, and occasionally if it's within, things uh, will count against the treatment. But that's the, the sort of starting point. Here in the UK, we have this idea that's often talked about, that there's a threshold of around 20 to 30,000 pounds per quality, and decisions look like they're reasonably consistent along that basis. There are some notable exceptions. Although this sort of bar, this sort of process, isn't normally used for individual patient-level prioritisation, you could use it for treatments like who gets admitted to intensive care, who gets the ECMO. And uh, in, in some work that I've done with uh, Julian Savalescu, we've looked at some kind of practical questions like this one. What chance of survival would be so low that providing a, a, a standard period of intensive care would be not cost-effective? Or... In, in terms of the, the specific question that we're talking about, what chance of survival for an infant with a genetic disability and uh, who's potentially go on, going on to ECMO would be so low that it wouldn't be cost-effective to provide a standard course of ECMO? So you can work that out uh, uh, by, by kind of shuffling around your cost-effectiveness equation and you get a, a figure that looks like uh, uh, this for actual admission to intensive care. It depends on... Uh, your age, unsurprisingly, if you're an older patient, you're going to get more, uh, you're going to get fewer years of life. So you have to have a higher chance of survival for it to be cost-effective to embark on intensive care. In, in terms of ECMO, I don't have the figures here, uh, but the the sort of calculations come out at something like if your if your chance of survival is more than five or ten percent, then it's potentially cost-effective to provide uh, ECMO to a, a newborn infant. So we can unpack that value. That, uh, straightforwardly. But what about fairness? Well, one thing in terms of fairness is there's different senses of fairness. Uh, so we might talk about fair chances, so people having e equal chances of, of getting treatment, for example, uh, although, uh, uh, so one way of allocating intensive care beds is um, first come, first served. And the, and the idea is, well, you can't treat everybody but everyone has equal chances of kind of getting sick and uh, there being an intensive care bed when they get there. Now, in fact, first come, first served isn't always fair because sometimes those who are advantaged are more likely to get to hospital sooner and get to the intensive care bed sooner, so it's not perfect. You could toss a coin. That would be another way of getting fair chances. We could talk about fair amounts of treatment, so the idea that everybody gets an equal amount of treatment. Uh, so if you've got a limited... Uh, amount of a drug, you might give everybody a, an equal share of the drug. You might talk about a fair process. So a fair process might be 
a way of deciding that deals with, that addresses only relevant considerations and not any irrelevant considerations. Uh, what I have in mind in particular is something that uh, Oxford philosopher John Bruin talks about, the idea of fairness as uh, each individual's claim is satisfied in proportion to its strength. Uh, it doesn't matter in particular the, the definition. But when we're thinking about fairness and thinking about would it be fair to take into account this infant's uh, genetic disability in deciding whether or not to admit them to intensive care, it might matter how it is that their disability is relevant uh, to their life. So here, here are four different variations of the case. We might have an infant who has a, a, a genetic variation or a genetic condition, which means that they're going to require a much longer period of support in intensive care. They might have a, a, a variable which makes it much less likely that they will survive if they're provided with the same support. They might have a variant that affects how long they would live for, affects their longevity. They might survive to, uh, for, to childhood or to a full normal, this is a full normal lifespan, or it might affect their quality of life. Now, which of these uh, is affected might have relevance for how fairness is affected by, uh, or how fairness kicks in in terms of this decision. So let me unpack that. Let's think of a, a slightly simpler scenario. So because one of the difficulties with most ECMO referrals is that there's a single patient to think about, and often individuals are weighing up well who might come in the future. But so let's let's simplify things in the in the way that philosophers do. Imagine there are two simultaneous referrals to the ECMO centre. Uh, one of these is an infant uh, who, based on their, their characteristics, is likely to require uh, more than two weeks of ECMO. And another infant who, based on their characteristics, has an illness where you would predict that they would need an average duration, a much shorter duration of ECMO, six days of ECMO versus 18 days of ECMO. Now, in this situation, should the ECMO centre just toss a coin or work out which call came into the switchboard first, or should they choose the infant who's going to require a shorter period? Well, one of the reasons for choosing the shorter period of, in, of ECMO is that, in fact, this is not a simple one versus one. This is one infant getting a long course of ECMO versus this infant, and then potentially two more infants. Depends, of course, on, on how much demand there is for the, for the service. But if they are a service that is often at capacity and has a high demand for their service, this is potentially three infants versus one infant. Now, this looks a little bit like a, a, another thought experiment that philosophers have thought about. John Turek uh, talked about this sort of example. Imagine there are, uh, that you're in a, 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 rescue, uh, a rescue boat and you get a call. There are two boats that are sinking. Uh, they're in different directions. You can only go and rescue the people in one of the boats. And you know that if you don't get there in time, they'll drown. In one direction, there's a boat with one person in it. In the other direction, there's a boat with five people in it. Now, philosophers have, surprisingly to many people, been agonizing about this question. Most people don't think this is a difficult question. In fact, when we've surveyed, uh, surveyed people, everybody says, or almost everybody says, of course you go to save the, the five people rather than the one person. So... Uh, if that's right, if that's the obvious and correct answer, um, this looks to be a different type of allocation problem. It's what I call 
uh, borrowing some terminology by the great uh, Oxford philosopher Derek Parfit, a different number case. Parfit was talking about populations uh, of different sizes, but this is a different context. So uh, this looks like the, the ECMO case that I've just talked about. If we're in a situation of saving one infant with our ECMO resources versus three, then it looks like um, it would be fair because there are more infants with equal claims to treatment that you can satisfy if you give priority to the infant who requires shorter duration of support. It looks potentially like the, the, the scales are, are, are tipped towards benefit, or maybe that actually fairness isn't competing in the same way. Or an, as another analogy, um, the infant who requires the longer duration of support is like the person who's taking a big slice of chocolate cake. If you've got a chocolate cake, you're having to divide it. Somebody takes a big slice, they're taking more than their fair share of a limited resource. And some of these ways in which disability might be relevant are different number cases in the way that I've described them. So duration of treatment in intensive care or cost of treatment are potentially going to affect the number of individuals who you can benefit with a fixed resource. Your fixed resource is ECMO or it might be your healthcare budget. But here's a different type of example. Here in this variant of the example, we have two infants uh, on either end of the phone that one of them uh, will survive, uh, but has a condition that will cause death in childhood. The other doesn't have any such condition. We would predict that they would live for a normal lifespan. People who, children who are on ECMO, other, other things being equal, will usually live for a normal lifespan. So this looks like a different sort of case. This looks like a lifeboat case where instead of choosing between one person uh, and five persons, here we've got five people and five people, but maybe the five people in the other lifeboat are in a wheelchair rather than the five people in the other lifeboat. Here, when you poll people, uh, people are much less inclined to say, oh, you should definitely go for the, wheel for the, the people without wheelchairs, the, the, the able people. That Here, it looks like fairness is a really significant consideration. So fairness in same number cases looks to be much more of a value that needs to be balanced against benefit. Uh, here we're not talking about somebody who's taking a, a big slice of the pie. The child with cocaine syndrome is taking the same slice as everybody else. So we need to balance these values. Now, uh, in the very short time I have, I don't uh, have a chance to kind of unpack just how we should do that. But here, here, here are two different ways you could do it. You could just toss a coin. Uh, um, one of the problems with just tossing a coin is it looks like um, even if the, the infant A in this example were going to live for only a year or a month or a day, you should also toss a coin because they're just asking for a slice. Well, a day's not going to be the same because actually they're going to be using ECMO for a short period of time. So that's not a good example. But you might think that there's, there's got to be some point at which... Uh, you don't simply toss a coin. One way of doing that uh, that uh, Julian and I have explored is this idea of splitting the difference. So you, if you do these calculations and you, you work out that it would be cost effective to, uh, to provide ECMO for an infant who will survive for more than one and a half years, you might reduce that threshold um, between there and zero, which might be the fairness threshold. So you might split the difference and say, well, look, if an infant it will survive for more than uh, uh, eight or nine months, then we'll give them a run of ECMO. Or if 
if the two infants were there simultaneously and one of them were going to survive for more than eight or nine months, we might toss a coin. But if it was below that, we would err on the side of benefit. That's one way of doing it. Alternatively, we could try to, uh, try to kind of, from some first principles, work out what level of, of survival would be sufficiently low that we, uh, we shouldn't, that fairness would no longer kick in. But it's very difficult to, to work out just what level that would be. So in these same number cases, fairness is a value that needs to be weighed up, and it's more challenging to know how much weight to give to it. But if we're going to balance these values, it doesn't mean that we give all of our weight to, to fairness and no weight to, to benefit. So I'm going to stop there so there's a chance for questions. Prioritization in, in the area of intensive care, other areas of medicine is inevitable. We do have to weigh up these values. Uh, that doesn't mean that we just uh, give all of our attention to benefit or to fairness. Um, and that depending on the case, fairness may have different levels of traction. Thank you very much.